You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, to Jordan came the Christ our Lord to do His Father's pleasure. Baptized by John, the Father's word was given us to treasure. This heavenly washing now shall be a cleansing from transgression and by His blood and agony released from death's oppression and new life now awaits us. The baptism of Jesus and the death of Jesus all are bound up together in one work of this Lord for you. This is really what we're after this morning. We, we, we have an epiphany, the answer to this question of who is this Jesus? Born to the Virgin Mary in a stable in Bethlehem, visited by the shepherds and by the wise men. Who is this Jesus? In fact, it wouldn't be bad, a bad idea, to look at the whole Bible as the answer to that question. Because God the Father wants you to know the answer. Who Jesus is. In fact, in fact, God the Father rarely speaks in the Bible. That job mostly belongs to Jesus, the Word of God. In the Old Testament as well as in the New. We hardly hear the voice of the Father. But there are a few times in the New Testament when that voice is heard, and this is one of them. The baptism of Jesus. When as Jesus is coming up out of the Jordan River after being baptized by John, the voice booms from heaven, the voice of God the Father, and he says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. God wants you to know that that is who Jesus is. His beloved Son, with whom he is well pleased. Jesus is the Son of the Father. The one whom the Father loves. The one with whom the Father is pleased. The one who brings to God the Father delight and joy eternally. Jesus is the one who's begotten of the Father's love. In fact, when the Bible says that God is love, we should think of this as the love between the Father and the Son, as well as the Holy Spirit. Before there was a universe, before anything was created, before you and I existed, before there was the existence of existence, there was the Father, and there was His Son, and there was this great love one for another. They existed in this eternal love. And God the Father wants you to know about this. He wants you to know about Jesus, his son, and he wants you to know that he loves him. He wants us to begin to consider. And I think we can only begin because I think this love between the father and the son, I, I think even in eternity, we won't even begin to comprehend it. But, we, but God the father wants us to begin to think about this love precisely because it is the beloved son, his beloved son, that he sends to the cross. It is this beloved Son, the one who the Father loves beyond our imagining, who is, who is abandoned by God, who is smitten by Him and afflicted. It is this beloved one upon whom God pours His wrath and all the punishment for your sins. And this is stunning. 
When Jesus is suffering on the cross for our sins and the sun goes dark and he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We know that it is the Father who loves the Son who is forsaking him. And why? Jesus doesn't know, but we know. In the darkest hours of Jesus, uh, of Jesus suffering and when he has no comfort, he doesn't know, but we know all along why he is being forsaken. He is being forsaken for us. He, the son whom he loves and with whom he is well pleased, is being forsaken because God the Father loves you. Jesus, the Son, is being forsaken because God loves us. Jesus, the beloved Son, is reeling under the punishment for sin because of the Father's love for each of you. Now look, this is not messing around. God the Father and Son and Holy Spirit love you with a love that is beyond any comparison. And this love, you certainly know, is an undeserved love. The Father now wants you to know that Jesus, His beloved Son, with whom He is well pleased, He wants you to know His love and His pleasure with Jesus so that you would know exactly what He gave up for you. So that you would know just what your salvation cost. And we would begin to consider in all of this how deep and vast and wide the love of God is for us. For God did not send his enemy to die on the cross. God didn't stick the devil on the cross to suffer for you. It's his son, his beloved, in your place. God so loved the world. God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. That he condemned him instead of you. That he forsook him instead of forsaking you. That he killed him instead of killing you. All of this so that Jesus, who the Father says is his beloved son, we can now call our beloved Savior. We have this wonderful text in the epistle from uh, St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. We, we had chapter 1. This is verse 30. It reads, Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who, be, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Jesus, who is the Father's Son, is our wisdom. Jesus, who is the Father's good pleasure, is our righteousness. Jesus is our sanctification. Jesus is our redemption. For Jesus, the one who is baptized, is the one who is crucified for you. In the Old Testament, you remember, the Lord established the, uh, the Day of Atonement. It was a day for the forgiveness of sins for all the people of Israel. And amongst all the other things that happened on the Day of Atonement, uh, there, there, was the, uh, there was the establishment of the scapegoat. There would be two goats. They would come and the, the high priest would roll the dice, the lots, 
for the, to determine which one would be sacrificed and which one would be the scapegoat. And one of the goats would be sacrificed on the, on the altar before the temple and the shedding of the blood for the forgiveness of sins. And then one of these goats would be, be, become the scapegoat. And the high priest would lay his hands on the goat's head and would speak all the sins of the people of Israel onto this goat and then send it out into the wilderness. To, the, to, the text says, Leviticus 16, for the purpose of carrying away the people's sins. Tradition developed later, this wasn't established in the text, but the tradition uh, developed later that the priests would make sure that this goat never came back. I mean, you can imagine you're sitting around in front of your tent having dinner and the scapegoat walks up. <laughs> it would be a bad day. So they would drive this goat out into the wilderness and make sure that the goat never came back, that he accidentally fell over a cliff or something like this, because you wanted to be done with your sins. So Jesus... He comes to John to be baptized, but he doesn't need baptism. He doesn't have any sins to be forgiven. He's perfect. And John the Baptist somehow knows this. He tries to stop Jesus from even getting into the water. But Jesus, uh, and, and says, John says to Jesus, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. But Jesus says, let it be so now to fulfill all righteousness. So John does it. He baptizes Jesus. Because Jesus was not there to have his sins washed away, but to take upon himself the sins of the world. He was not there for forgiveness, but for atonement, to fulfill all righteousness, to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, to bear your sin like the scapegoat, to bear your sin away from you and carry it off. We have a picture to help explain it, and I apologize that I always use the same picture. I used it even last year when I was preaching about this, but maybe you don't remember. So I'll... The picture to explain it is this. Imagine the river Jordan and John the Baptist is standing in the middle. Remember this? And on the side of the Jordan River is this flock of filthy, disgusting sheep, just covered in nastiness. Their, their wool is matted down. They're, they've got spit and blood and nastiness all over them. They, they, they smell and there's flies. One by one, John the Baptist takes these sheep and he dips them in the Jordan River and he pulls them out and they're white and clean. And he puts them on the other side, one after another, baptizing them for the forgiveness of sins. Until, until coming to the bank, John sees a, a sheep or a lamb like none other. In the midst of all these in the midst of all these filthy sheep, here is one sheep who is perfectly clean and pure and so radiant that you can barely stand to look at him. And John looks at this lamb and he says, you don't need this. You don't need a bath. You're already clean. But this sheep says, let it be so that we might fulfill all righteousness. So John does. And as he takes this lamb and dips this lamb in the Jordan River, all of the filth and dirt and nastiness and uncleanness and, and, and everything else that's floating on top of the water from all of the other sheep goes right onto this one. So that he is the filthiest and most unclean of them all. And John takes this one out of the water and puts him down on the bank and points to him and preaches his most famous sermon. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So that Jesus is bearing your sin. Jesus is taking your place. Jesus is the target 
for the wrath of God that you deserve. He is here to fulfill all righteousness. He is here to call you holy. He takes upon himself our sin and our punishment so that he might give to us perfection and life. And this is the one that the Father loves. The one with whom the Father is well pleased. So we learn of Jesus. The birth and baptism and death and resurrection and everything else in between teach us who Jesus is. That He is the very Son of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, who is the same substance with the Father, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven. He suffered for us, for you. He died for you. He won for you life and salvation. And so we know that Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our life. Jesus is our friend and our brother. He is our wisdom and our righteousness. He is our redeemer and our sanctification and our hope and our glory and our joy and our delight. We learn who Jesus is. And in the midst of all of this, we learn also who we are. You are forgiven. You are free. And you are baptized. So that the words that Jesus hears from the Father, the words that he heard when he was baptized, these words are also, dear saints, for you. For you are a child of God. And with you, the Father is well pleased. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 9.15, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 10.45 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.